Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. On this show, I have talked at length about the importance of eating enough protein, but sometimes eating protein throughout the day can be a challenge. However, Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts and is the perfect addition to your day. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, over 10% of your daily value. It's one of the highest protein nuts out there. But that's not all. Pistachios are also known for their fiber and better for you unsaturated fats, which we all need in our diet. Wonderful pistachios come in a variety of flavors and sizes, perfect for enjoying with your family and friends or taking them with you on your summer adventures. So whether you're dropping off the kids or running between meetings, fuel up with a healthy and tasty snack. Check out wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more about how these little green wonders can power up your day. Hi, love. Thank you for listening to Balanced Black Girl. There are a lot of shows in these podcast streets, and I am very grateful that BBG is a part of your lineup. So we are now at the halfway point of our healing series, and we are also coming up on the halfway point of the year. If you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you may recall at the beginning of the year, we had a series and challenge called Reframing the Reset to set the tone for the new year. Also, side note, the Reframing the Reset series was the highest listened set of episodes we've ever done on the podcast. During that time, y'all were really dialed in and picking up what we were throwing down, which was amazing. And with it being halfway through the year, I thought, well, I think we need a a mid-year reset because life happens and it is so easy to lose track of the intentions that you set at the beginning of the year. Or you could still be holding yourself to goals and intentions that maybe aren't serving you anymore, and it's time to let them go and move in a different direction. So beginning June 20th, we're going to be doing the Summer Solstice Journaling Reset, which is a five-day journaling challenge designed to help you get focused and aligned for the second half of the year. So when you sign up, I'll be sending you reflection prompts and exercises each day for five days to help you reflect on the first half of the year and map out where you want to go in the second half with prompts inspired by the summer solstice. Summer is a season of light, energy, youthfulness. We can really tap into that to set some intentions that feel more aligned for where we want to go. So you can go to the show notes or you can go to balanceblackgirl.com slash solstice to sign up. 
Again, that will be linked in the show notes or at balanceblackgirl.com slash solstice. And I will begin sending you the prompts on June 20th. And if you're listening to this episode later or at another time in the year, you can still totally do it. I'll set it up so that you can still get the prompts because they really will be good for any time. So again, that's balanceblackgirl.com slash solstice. So we've been embarking on a six episode exploration of what it means to heal from the inside out. And if you have not yet checked out the other episodes of the series, I highly recommend you do so. We started by talking to sound healing therapist, Ashley Curtis, about how sound can help us heal and daily rituals we can do to promote healing. Then we spoke to Dr. Asia Muhammad about gut health and how tending to our gut can help us heal from the inside out. And last week, we had a powerful episode with Dr. Pisa Mahdi about emotional healing and tending to our inner child. So please make sure you check out all three of those episodes if you haven't, because we cover so much good stuff. We're not talking fluff. We're really investigating healing on a scientific and spiritual level. But what I appreciate about all of our guests and just the way we've been able to converse and flow with one another is that you don't walk away from those episodes feeling down. And sometimes in conversations about healing, it can get really heavy. And that's okay. That's not a bad thing because healing can be a very ugly process. It's not meant to be fluffy and cute. But sometimes you do just want to be like, okay, (laughs) this is a little bit much for me right now. And none of the episodes feel that way. They're really inviting and informative. So please, please make sure you check those out. But this week, it's a solo episode with just me because I wanted to continue exploring some of the themes we started getting into in last week's episode with Dr. Peace. That episode and conversation was largely inspired by the book, What Happened to You by Dr. Bruce Perry and Oprah. And if you are on an emotional healing journey, that book is a fantastic resource. Now, unlike the, some of the conversations on this podcast, that book is very heavy and it does discuss some deeply traumatic events for people. So please be aware of that going in. I actually listened to the audiobook because it was easier for me to digest that way, but it is a very informative book. And like our conversation with Dr. Peace last week, really the goal is instead of asking what's wrong with you, it encourages us to ask what happened to you, to ourselves and others. One of the key themes of the book is that for many people, healing happens in community and that being in a supportive community can be incredibly therapeutic. And in our episode last week, these sentiments were really echoed by Dr. Peace. She emphasized the importance of belonging when it comes to healing and something in particular she said last week really stopped me in my tracks. It was along the lines that a lot of hurt happens in community, a lot of hurt happens in relationship. It happens from events that usually involve other people to some extent. Therefore, healing needs to happen in community as well. So if you have wounds that are in connection to your relationships with other people, it's very challenging to overcome that in a vacuum. Like that healing also needs to come from relationships with other people. Now, sometimes the way it's all set up, that healing is not going to come from relationships with the same people if, you know, perpetual harm is being done, but it's really hard to overcome that by yourself. And until very recently, when I thought about healing, specifically emotional healing, I thought, well, the only way we can truly do that is therapy and we all just need to work on ourselves mainly because I was regurgitating a lot of what I heard other people say. (laughs) 
And on one hand, yes, working with licensed mental health professionals, very beneficial, very important, something that I wish was more accessible to more people because everybody can benefit from it. And yes, the motivation to heal often does need to come from within. However, those are not the only ways people can heal. And for many people, we actually need healing to be an immersive experience. And what's more immersive than our relationships and who we commune with? And healing is also not a prerequisite for receiving love or support. In fact, I'm willing to argue that when you're in a state of healing, that's when you need love and support the most. And yes, some of that does need to come from within, but support and care from other people is part of that immersive healing experience. You're probably familiar with the common expression, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And in many instances, I feel like I heard that expression in the context of success or when it comes to hobbies or when it comes to habits. But now I'm beginning to understand it a little differently. Like what if we applied that to healing as well? How much could we heal if the sum of the five people we spend the most time around, we're all healing together? What would that look like? What would that feel like? How much more healed could we all be if that were the case? So in this episode, I'm going to be examining why healing in community is such a significant, effective healing modality, why we don't need to be perfectly healed to be loved, and ways we can cultivate healing in our immediate and broader communities. I also want to say I read a lot. And in this episode, I reference many things I've read that have supported my own journey in understanding well-being, community, relationship, love. And I've linked that in the show notes, the articles, the books, all of it. So if you're listening and you're like, oh wait, what book was I talking about? I got you. They're all linked in the show notes and also on our blog at balanceblackgirl.com to make it easy to reference. If you listen to this podcast, you know that I'm a big advocate for having hobbies and learning a new language is an incredible hobby to take up. I've been practicing my French with Babbel and it's been such an effective, engaging way to learn. I took French in high school and college, but I got a little rusty and I wanted to brush up before visiting France earlier this year. And I've been hooked on Babbel ever since because it's helped so much. And you too can make amazing progress with your language learning through Babbel. And that's because Babbel actually works. So instead of paying hundreds of dollars for private classes or playing on apps that are basically glorified games, you can take Babbel's quick 10 minute lessons that are designed by over 150 language experts to help you start speaking a new language as soon as three weeks from now. Babbel is designed by real people for real conversations, and their methods for learning a new language are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, so you're learning things you would actually say, and delivered with conversation-based teaching. Plus, Babbel's speech recognition technology helps you to improve your pronunciation and accent. It's no wonder why Babbel has sold over 10 million subscriptions, because it's real learning for real conversations. And they're offering a special limited time deal for our listeners to get you started right now. So you can get 55% off your Babbel subscription only for our listeners at babbel.com slash balanced. 
Get up to 55% off at babbel.com slash balanced, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash balanced. Rules and restrictions may apply. So first, let's talk about why being in community is an effective healing modality. Healthy relationships where we are seen, heard, claimed, and feel like we truly belong are able to help us heal. A landmark study found that lack of social connection can be more detrimental to health than smoking and high blood pressure, and strong social connection can lead to a 50% increased chance of longevity, stronger immune system, and the potential to recover faster from disease. That is incredible. That is purely from healthy relationships, and that's not dependent on physical or socioeconomic factors. Research has also indicated that high social connection may help lower rates of anxiety and depression, increase self-esteem and empathy, and help us better regulate our emotions. This is because it creates a positive feedback loop, which, which can positively impact our social, emotional, and physical well-being. And if you're like me, you might be like, how? <laughs> how does that work? How do relationships have these physical and emotional therapeutic effects? It really comes to the necessity of belonging. Humans are hardwired to want to belong. Before modern society, belonging and being accepted by our community was necessary for survival. Centuries ago, you could not survive being alone. You could not have your basic needs, right? Food, clothing, shelter. Those things could not happen without being a part of your community because all of our needs were met in community. So even though now in modern society, once you reach adulthood, it technically is possible to have your basic needs met in isolation. Our minds and bodies associate isolation with danger because for so long, that is exactly what it meant. In a 2020 study published by the Journal of Black Psychology, researchers presented a healing framework called C-HEARTS, which stands for Community, Healing, and Resistance Through Storytelling. And what they found through their research and the creation of this framework is that community can be a powerful change agent for addressing trauma. A powerful quote from this study read, when personal healing is embedded within a communal framework, we argue that a greater transformational process will be facilitated by a shared collective memory, which can help shift bodies, minds, and spirits from a status of suffering to repair and create opportunities to evolve. So that means that we evolve in a unit. When we have this sense of belonging, we're not in isolation, we feel seen and heard and understood and supported, and that is reciprocal from all angles. It creates a sense of safety for our nervous system, which is necessary to cultivate healing and drive necessary change. Now, I will acknowledge that having a sense of belonging can be really hard. I have absolutely felt the debilitating effects of isolation. And for many people in the past two years specifically have been more isolating than ever. And I want to acknowledge that. And a little later in this episode, we're going to discuss possible solutions and ways we can cultivate community. And all of the studies that I've referenced and linked are in the show notes, as well as some books and resources that I've also found really, really helpful. But on a basic level, just understanding how community helps us heal is incredible, incredible knowledge to have. So I want to transition a bit to talk about why you don't need to be perfectly healed to be loved. Now, over the past few years, these 
social media graphics out here and these tweet screenshots <laughs> have really done a number on us, especially if you've been like a single person anytime in the last five or six years, you know exactly which graphics I'm talking about and how many people and brands have created entire platforms dedicated to convincing you that you need to be perfectly healed before you can enter into a healthy relationship or partnership or community. And a lot of these beliefs are really centered around romantic relationships and preying on people's desires to be in romantic relationships, though I would argue that the overall point that you don't need to be perfectly healed to be loved can apply to any relationship, friends, family, romantic, even professional. So I really want to start off by saying you do not have to be or do anything to be loved and to be worthy of love. You being who you are and existing as your fully embodied, flawed, because we all are, self is absolutely worthy and deserving of love and of giving and receiving love. And that you do not need to become some mythical, magical, perfect version of yourself to give and receive love, despite what social media tells us. That's because just as we discussed, some of our most powerful healing comes from being in community. It comes from being in relationship. It comes from how we interact and grow with other people. Community and relationship are catalysts for healing. They're not rewards for being healed. Also, as we learned in last week's episode, there's no such thing as being healed. <laughs> Nobody is healed. We're all at different points in our healing journey, and that is constantly shape-shifting as our lives shape-shift. So the first aha moment I had when I realized that relationships are healing, I actually came across that when I read the book Attached a few years ago. Attached is a popular book for understanding your attachment style. Again, it focuses on romantic relationships and can apply to any relationship. But the premise is that there are three main attachment styles. Anxious attachment, which can be categorized by uh, a need for kind of constant reassurance, feeling like people are not going to stick around. Avoidant, which can be characterized by disassociation, also feeling like people aren't going to, you know, stick around, so you'd rather detach yourself. And then secure, which is when people feel confident and trusting in their relationships. Now, that was a very summarized version of each style. Please read the book for better definitions. I linked it in the show notes. But essentially, for people who have avoidant or anxious attachment styles, the moral of the story is that the way to become more secure was to be around and in relationship with people who are secure. Because what happens is that if someone who is anxiously attached and who really struggles to feel like people are going to stick around and, and has that need for constant reassurance is with somebody who is avoidant and who just wants to detach and kind of check out, they're going to really ignite some of the not so ideal traits in one another. But by having bonds with secure people, that healing can kind of happen when you see what that healthy attachment looks like. And when I read that, I was so irritated. I wanted to throw the book. I wanted to throw my phone. I wanted to flip a table. <laughs> At that time, I was deeply in my single season. I was dating. I was on these apps and I was having not the best experiences with it. Even meeting someone remotely interesting 
who I actually wanted to talk to, let alone feeling like I needed to meet somebody with a secure attachment, felt impossible. I was like, clearly, these authors have never been on Hinge. But now that I understand how important community and relationship are to healing, I actually understand where the authors are coming from. It's because you can't have stronger bonds with people living in a vacuum. Like anything else in life, you have to do it and be exposed to it to be better at it. You don't become a better dancer by not dancing. You don't become a better painter by not painting. And to the same effect, you don't become a better friend, partner, village member without having any experiences in those relationships to begin with. Also, our attachment styles are created from our earliest relationships, often involving how attentive our caregivers are to our needs. So the level of support that we receive early on dictates how we experience attachment later later in life. And with that in mind, it totally makes sense that because our attachment is created from relationships, that healing our attachment styles also happens through healthy relationships. Now, this is not to say that we shouldn't take time to be with ourselves or have periods where we're maybe doing our own thing and focusing on getting right with ourselves. I'm actually a huge fan of that, and I believe we should. But I'm of the belief that spending time with ourselves tending to our own evolutions should really be about awareness and self-inquiry to get to know ourselves better, to understand ourselves better, to ask ourselves what happened to you and to really dig into it, but not because it's a prerequisite to being accepted or if you put in a certain amount of time on your own doing your own thing that you will then be rewarded with having people kind of pop up in your life. That's not really how it works. It's not a prerequisite to being accepted or cared for or that we have to completely shut people out in order to heal. Now, that can absolutely be the case for unhealthy relationships that perpetuate harm, but it doesn't have to be the case for everybody, particularly people who want to have healthy bonds with you. And to that point, self-awareness is important for being in healthy relationships. Healing in relationship and community doesn't mean that we can just walk around projecting on everybody all the time. Like some of that work and self-awareness does need to happen within so that we can understand our reactions and our behaviors. And our connections with other people can challenge us to help us grow. So it can be a way to give and receive support so that the loads we're carrying are not as heavy and we have the capacity to heal more. So another book that I read around that same time that was really helpful and that I found complemented attached very well was called How to Be an Adult in Love. Again, I will make sure it's linked in the show notes. And it's really about giving and receiving love freely and healthy ways uh, that you can give and receive love that really apply to all types of relationships. And what I love about that book is it has a lot of helpful exercises, affirmations, and questions you can ask yourself and to reflect on to understand the ways in which you give and receive love. So attached was really good for understanding the what and how to be an adult in love is really helpful for moving forward with the how. So again, both attached and how to be an adult in love are linked in the show notes. I'm not trying to give you homework. You also don't have to read any of these books at all, but they've been really, really helpful for me. And I can't keep that to myself. I want to share just in case you're interested as well. All right. So let's circle back uh, to ways we can cultivate healing in our communities. We've covered a lot of ground. We've talked about why being in community heals us. We've talked about how connection is not a reward for being healed 
quote unquote healed because that's not a thing. (laughs) And with that, I want to talk about connection and how we can connect to heal with one another because isolation is real and telling people isolation is bad for your health. So go get some friends. That's not helpful. I know how it feels to be isolated. I too have struggled with and still navigate the devastating feelings of being isolated. So I want to talk about ways that we can work through that together. First, just giving a bit of cultural context. So in the U.S., sense of connection for many people has been dropping steadily since the 1980s. In 1985, the average American said they had three people in their lives they felt close enough sharing personal information with or talking about a personal problem with. And in 2004, that number for the average person dropped from three to zero. 25% of Americans said they don't have anyone to confide in at all. Now, 2004 was a different time. I'm not sure how social media and our online interconnectedness would impact this data now. I would actually really love to see how people would respond to this question now. I would imagine for many people, they likely feel the same way. However, I do think that the rise in parasocial relationships could be a really interesting factor in this data. Like people don't feel like they have people to necessarily confide in in a solid way. However, we also now have an element of our culture where we feel more comfortable sharing personal things on the internet than talking to people in our lives about it. So I'm very, very curious if in the coming years there will be a follow-up to these studies to see how social media has impacted these figures of how connected we feel to one another. And then, of course, we know the past two years have presented unique challenges to connection and belonging due to social distancing measures stemming from the pandemic. And it's important to note that the benefits of high social connection that we talked about earlier don't stem from having a lot of friends or people around. It is far more about quality over quantity. So please don't put pressure on yourself to feel like you need 50 11 friends or people that you talk to all the time. I mean, you can for my extroverted friends out there, if that <laughs> feels nourishing and if that's how your life is set up, beautiful, but it doesn't have to be. If you internally feel connected to other people in your life, then you're in a good position to heal in community. So if you do not have the connections you would like to have in your life, which I hear you, I see you, I understand, let's reflect on this together. So maybe if you have a journal handy, I recommend getting that out and writing down what connection and belonging mean to you. How would it feel to be connected to other people? What does being connected mean? How do you define connection? What are the characteristics of the bonds that you want to have? And get really clear on the type of connection that you want to cultivate. Do you want friendships where you can go super deep with people and talk about anything and everything? Do you want friendships where you bond over traveling and experiencing things together? Do you value connection in groups or do you value one-on-one connection where you can go really deep on one with one person who's right in front of you? What is it that you're seeking from connection with others? Get really clear on that because I found that times when I felt especially isolated, it's because I was seeking connections that actually weren't a very good fit for me. <laughs> I... I'm someone who I love going deep with people. Small talk is like not my favorite. I either want to 
we're going all the way there or we can keep it on the playground. And that's not to say that that's like the right or wrong way to be. That's just how I find myself connecting with people. And when I got really clear on realizing that that's the type of connection that I want with people for my life, I started being able to identify ways that I could either cultivate that with people who are already in my life, or I could see that as a value that was really important to me as I looked for establishing new friendships, or by seeking out friendships with people who also like to connect in that way. If someone doesn't like to connect in that way or likes to connect in ways that don't resonate with me. I mean, it doesn't necessarily mean that we can't be cool or vibe or be friends, but it might mean that that's probably not the connection that's going to be the most beneficial for the two of us. So maybe reflect on the connections you currently have, reflect on the connections you want, and look for ways that you can initiate deepening or strengthening these connections that already exist for you. Like, What is one small step you can take to do that? That often involves a little bit of vulnerability, maybe opening up to people a little bit more than usual or being the one to initiate conversations and plans. Um, And there are ways to do this that just feel like baby steps towards taking you towards connection that can feel safe. So don't feel like you need to go doing the absolute most, but what is one conversation that you can initiate? What is one step you can take towards connecting with people who are already in your life? So because this is a focus area for me currently, and I found that also when I was struggling the most with isolation, it's because I felt really left out of a lot of things, but I also was like never initiating plans with people. (laughs) I actually have connection on my daily habit tracker. So I have a daily habit tracker with practices that I aim to do each day for a healthy life. And these are practices that are very specific to me. But what I prioritize, such as hydration, reading, movement, and I added connection. And that just means, did I connect with someone I love today, right? Did I FaceTime a friend and ask them questions about how they're doing? Did I reach out to somebody who I haven't caught up with in a while? And did I make plans, initiate plans to grab coffee with them? Now, it's not to make it prescriptive, Or that, you know, if I don't put it on the list, it won't happen. But it's to really prioritize connection as an important part of well-being, just like getting a workout in, just like drinking enough water or doing anything else. So you definitely don't have to do that. That's just kind of how my brain works. And it's something that has been really, really helpful for me. Um, Not that I have to do those things every single day, but it really helps me stay accountable for prioritizing connection more often than not. So another big part of healing in community is asking for help and asking for support because part of being in community also means being open to giving and receiving, giving people opportunities to show up for us uh, while also not seeing it as an indication of our worth if they don't or if they're unable to in that exact moment because that's not what it's an indication of. Someone's availability or capacity is not at all an indication of your worth. But if you don't make yourself open to receiving help, then it's never going to come. Um, it's, it's really a dance. And it's, it's tricky to kind of manage your own feelings in that, in that scenario. And I get it because as humans, we're complicated. So humans being humans with other humans, it gets complicated and it has nuance. But it's worth really trying and initiating and being open to letting people in to be able to help you. I actually covered this in detail in episode 111 called Let People Show Up For You, which I also linked in the show notes. All right, so I have 
I have two more books for you. <laughs> two more books for you. I told you in the beginning, I have your reading list on lock in these episodes. And these next two books that I'm going to mention were written by Black women, which given the nature of this podcast, is also lovely. So the first book that really got my wheels turning about just communal living, chosen family, strengthening relationships and seeking connection is called How We Show Up by Mia Birdsong. So that book really dives into finding strength, support, and vulnerability in community has great advice for asking for help if that's something you have a hard time doing. And it also just has some really interesting examples of chosen family and of communal living, particularly when it comes to raising children and being a part of a village uh, that I thought was really interesting and really, really insightful. So How We Show Up by Mia Birdsong, book recommendation number one. Second book that's really helpful if you're looking to be a better friend and balance showing up for yourself while also being there for your people is called The Art of Showing Up by Rachel Wilkerson Miller. Special shout out to that book and to Rachel because it was a book club pick in 2020 (laughs) when we still did book club. Shout out to Balanced Black Girl Book Club. RIP to Balanced Black Girl Book Club. Maybe it'll come back someday. But the author, Rachel, joined us for our discussion and we had such a great conversation with her and one another. I actually think that was one of our biggest book clubs we've ever had. Um, But we had a really great conversation about showing up for each other. And in that book, she talked a lot about understanding what your needs are, how to identify them, and how to balance self-care and showing up for your people in a meaningful way, because I think that's something that can be really challenging. We tend to be very all or nothing. We tend to either put everybody else in front of ourselves and neglect our own needs or go to the other end of the spectrum and say, well, in order for me to have my needs met, it's all about me and I need to shut everybody out. And it's, it's me season all the time. Um, And I think that there's so much nuance and so much beautiful, spacious, delicious room in between that's actually probably a lot healthier. And that book has really, really great recommendations for how to live a little bit more in between. So it has everything from suggestions for ways to be there for your people during various stages of life, to making new friends, to navigating how challenging it can be when friendships ends. It's actually very tactical, very specific, um, and just a very, very helpful guidebook that's really great to have on your bookshelf and just go back and reference again and again. So two more great books that will be linked in the show notes. Uh, Again, that one is The Art of Showing Up. I highly recommend checking out as you navigate in your community healing journey. All right, my friend, we talked a lot in this episode. We covered a lot of ground. We got a lot of information. (laughs) But if there's anything I want you to take away from this episode is that you don't have to embark on your healing journey alone. Yes, you are responsible for your own healing and you should ultimately ignite your own healing. Uh, But through connection with others is where the magic can really happen. Head to the show notes for all of the resources I mentioned in this episode, all of the books, the research articles, the other episodes of Balanced Black Girl that I mentioned to tune into if you enjoyed this conversation. And don't forget to join us for the Summer Solstice Journaling Challenge starting June 20th. You can sign up at balanceblackgirl.com slash solstice, 
or from the link in the show notes to join us for a free five-day journaling challenge to check in on your intentions and get refocused and realigned for the second half of the year. So thank you so much for listening today. A huge shout out to our sponsors who really keep things moving and shaking around here. Again, all discount codes and special offers will be linked in our show notes. So make sure you check those out because our sponsors be looking you up. So next week, we're continuing our healing series to talk about the outdoors and how connecting with nature and being in community in nature can help us heal. It's the perfect follow-up to this conversation. So make sure you're subscribed so that you can catch that episode as soon as it drops. Thank you. I love you. And I'll talk to you next week.